You are listening to You Heard It Here Second, episode 54. The podcast is produced every Monday night and airs every Tuesday morning. More information can be found on our website, derekandsteve.com. The Naked Chicken Chalupa launches nationwide on January 26th, three days from now, two days if you're listening tomorrow. Derek and Steve present... Um, but I did pay attention to the halftime show. And Lady Gaga is back. Wow. Or if she ever was gone. I don't even know. If she's, she's no, gone. she was gone. Now okay. she's back. <laughs> yeah. To see a performance where I'm like, you're definitely not lip syncing. Whatever my brain saw, like, I, I don't know why I see it. Like, it's, I'm not an expert in musical performances. Is where do the Pats go from here? And I found it. I found the last milestone for Belichick Tampa Bay. <laughs> He's never won in Raymond James wow. Stadium. You heard it here second. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 54 of You Heard It Here Second. I'm Derek, alongside Steve and somebody else. Steve, how's it going? It's going well, Derek. How's it going with you? It's going well. It's going well. And we also have Murph here. In the building, baby. (laughs) Murph is in the building for an entire episode. Did you plan that intro, the in the building, baby? Off the dome. Wow, nice job. (laughs) That's great. So, um... Murph, I don't know if he's been here for an entire episode. I think the earliest you've jumped in is like the second period, I think, or the second quarter. And then, yeah, I think one of my earlier episodes I was on for, I think, yeah, three-fourths three of the yeah, game. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but never for the entire thing. So uh, a great uh, you know, debut here for Murph as a full-time, uh, for this episode, and third we, host. And we've actually gotten some feedback. People are jealous of how often you come on the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what can I say? I'm just a great <laughs> guest, and I get invited back for... <laughs> For my my hot takes, so Shout out. If, if people want to take my throne, um, come at me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's well, the challenge to everyone. Welcome back, Murph. We're glad to have you. Um, so to give you a breakdown of what's coming in this episode, we got four quarters for you. Similar to our last couple episodes, I think we have the BC update to start. Uh, then we have pop culture, which will be an Oscars segment, an Oscars preview, uh, which the Oscars are coming up next weekend on Sunday. Uh, so Murph will be doing that for us, the Oscars preview. Then we have a game show of Know Your Tens uh, with Murph as well, and it's also Oscar, also Oscar-related. And then we close the fourth quarter with sports, which had a decent amount of stuff going on in the past week, uh, mostly NBA news. So uh, before we get started, we will uh, jump into the BC update Huge first. Huge news in the BC update. Derek, hit it. So we'll cue up our background song for this discussion. So um, I'll let you guys identify what that song is real quick. And this is definitely not the real version of it. <laughs> this is some knockoff version. Well, no copyright infringement. That's exactly. good. Exactly. Some... But you it know what the song it is. Yes. You know what song it is. It's, it's, it's Celebrate Good Times. Very you know? good. Very good. So the news is that Brad Bates is stepping down as AD of Boston College. Brad Bates. The, the long wait is over. Is it technically stepping down or is he just not coming I, back? So I think the way that I, the tweet I saw that was worded was that he was stepping down or re, slash resigning. But I think not, he's not resigning because his contract's going to be up. So... He's just not coming back. It's not just his decision. I think it's a mutual decision. It so. was definitely mutual, and it's been a long time coming. I'm, <laughs> I'm ecstatic. Um, so let's. I, I'll bring down the song a little bit. So what do we think? Um, I'll start. Sure. I'm pumped, Brad. <laughs> I mean, I don't. It's hard because it. I don't hate Brad Bates. Like I, I've never had any ill will towards him. He's just been very bad at his job. I don't know if he's historically been bad at his job at other schools but at bc he just did not do it he we didn't get a win in the acc and not that that's 100 percent his fault but it's it's gotta fall on someone and the ad's the top of the list so um we we haven't been improving i am i'm ready for for something new i read a pretty telling stat about his departure so since like the 2015 academic year um, men's football, basketball, and women's basketball have gone eight and seventy eight and in 70. the ACC. I think. Oh, so, geez. although those sports don't completely comprise what an athletic director needs to do for a collegiate program, those are often the three biggest, I guess, telling signs of a success um, from an athletic standpoint, and that those numbers kind of speak for themselves. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. Um, it's the first step. We obviously need a different culture here. You need need a culture change after five years of decline. I would say um, football obviously had a slight uptick, you know, from what it was last year, but it's not the uptick that the program needed. I think it needs more than that. Um, so yeah, it, it's you know, uh, it's all I mean, good news. It, it's I good mean, news. Yeah. It, it's sad 
because it's true. He's a, he's a nice guy. I've actually met him a few times. Right, when, I think it, we were either se- juniors or seniors when he started. Yeah. Um, and we were doing the radio, and he got to he got very involved. He's always been very involved, which I respect about him. He's he's very um, outspoken. He he likes to connect with the students and the faculty. But it just was a terrible, terrible run of sports, uh, athletics. Like you're the athletic director, you have to do better. Um, so it's not sad to see him go. But I don't know much about the athletic director pool. Do we know anything no. about people available? <laughs> no, I don't. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's no. not a environment I consider myself <laughs> knowledgeable of. So. I'm going to throw it out there, and I think it's a bad idea, but I think BC will consider it Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie. <laughs> I don't know oh, what Doug, Doug Flutie's business <laughs> acumen and management <laughs> skills are, but... Doug yeah. Flutie will do anything to stay in the spotlight, he will. and this is another opportunity He for will, him. and that's true, but I don't know. I think that would be a big mistake <laughs> I <agree>. to, <laughs> to have Doug Flutie running the athletic program. I, I think, you know, I'm certainly not opposed to bringing him on in some capacity with the football program. Um, but I think it would be a pretty big mistake to have him at the helm for the entire athletic department. I, I think. I think we can bring him on as director of morale, <laughs> yeah. and to, to to refire up, you know, our our, our football team. Yeah, absolutely. But in regards to becoming athletic director, I think that might be a stretch. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. agree. So I, I mean, you know, we don't have to talk at length about this because it's just it's it's very new, and we don't have much to talk about until a new AD comes in. But it brings up some interesting questions because a new AD coming in here might immediately decide he needs to clean house in football and basketball, which and is so, also fine, which is fine, but, but it's way behind the game in football, I think compared to when these changes usually get made. So a lot of people have thought that, you know, Adazio will have a lame duck year, you know, slash a chance to prove himself one last time next year. Is that the way you guys think this will go down? Yeah, I definitely think you have to give Adazio one last shot next year considering kind of the improvements he's made over the past yeah. two years. But depending on how that goes, um, could definitely be grounds for dismissal or new coach. Yeah, I feel like Adazio's been having his quote-unquote like last chance for two years. For two, yeah. Yeah, like well, every every game seems to be like, okay, he's playing for his job. Yeah. And then it's, he wins a bowl it's, in a terrible season. And we're like, all right, sign him up. <laughs> so, so I, I really, I think it's, I think it's, I would agree it's really more, I think, like one and a half years, though, because I think at the start of two seasons ago, you know, he was coming off a good se- two straight good seasons. Um, so I think going into that year, it wasn't like he's got to prove himself this year. I think that the I think the downward tick in 20, what was it, 2015 season, I think that was, you know, nobody wanted that, but, you know, it was coming off of two good years. So I think this past year was when it started to build and say, wow, this guy sucks. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, the po- I'll, I'm happy giving him one more year, especially if we're. It depends on how long, obviously, until yeah. we get an AD. If it takes a week, yeah. then maybe make the decision. If it takes two yeah. months, then yeah. stick around. I mean, the, the football team's rallying around him. I, I don't. The know players why. love him for some. The players reason. love him. Uh, he, yeah. I mean, he's a he's a morale guy. He's a rah rah guy. So if he can get football team excited then yeah contrary fine. to what we had learned from some former players about about him and whether yeah. players liked him or not we're so, getting mixed mixed reviews yeah. about but, but but the current players appear to like him and harold landry like we mentioned is one of, is the best player on the team and he's and, coming back like and he's and some and for some reason he's coming back when he was a first round nfl draft pick this year he should have been yeah. so you know things like that they've gotten a few good recruits they got a four-star running back coming in so yeah. you know and we were talking about this earlier. The bar is so low for the next AD; it's almost embarrassing. <laughs> like it's probably the best job opening in the history of AD job <laughs> openings. Uh, a huge school with a, with a historically good athletics program, a good reputation, a huge endowment, and can barely get a win in the ACC. And all you have to do is be moderate, and yeah. you people will love you. I think it's a huge opening, and people yeah. hopefully will be scrambling to get the job. Well, the one thing I really would like to see in the new athletic director is I would like him, and, and I'm not in a position to say that Brad Bates doesn't know anything about football, but I would like to see an athletic director that shows in some capacity that he is disagrees with some of the game management decisions that have been made because I have a, I got the sense that Brad Bates had no recognition of that. Um, that, that really all he cared about was the big picture, the culture, the record, you know, we made a bowl. That's that, you know, like, and I, and I know that he's supposed to, he has to support his coaches. There's no other alternative. You have to support who you have, but I, I would love to see an AD who can be a sort of check and balance on the coach rather than just hiring him and letting him do his he thing. He was certainly not that he because, was a smile and nod and <laughs> say like, go BC, like, let's go yeah. women's basketball. Let's go women's hockey. Like let's go men's hockey, but never really. Yeah put any effort into the major sports 
So, uh, so that's that. Brad Bates is uh, gone at the end of the academic academic year. So, uh, you know, May in May he'll be gone. Uh, and the and, and he has a job lined up, so we don't have to feel bad about. Him oh, stuff. I didn't even see that. Does yeah, he? no his... unemployment checks for Brad Bates. Cash. <laughs> Good. Uh, so now we can officially be happy that he's gone. Yeah. He's got a job. We're gonna get a new AD. All perfect. Is, all is all well. as well. So. Uh, that wraps up the BC update and brings us into the second quarter, which is our pop culture quarter, which is the Oscars preview. So Murph is going to break down the Oscars categories for us. Uh, I'm going to let Steve kind of guide the beginning of this because sure. you put together the categories for us. So uh, let's jump right into yeah, it. Yeah, so Murph is on the show today. Murph is our resident Oscar expert. He was here with us last year. Uh, were you with us the year before? No, we probably have been. No, just last it. year. Um so the Oscars are this Sunday, uh, February 26th. They start at 7. We're going to go through a few of the same categories, uh, categories that I did last as, year. as last year. So we're going to start with uh, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and then Best Picture. Um, and Derek and I have seen a few of them. Murph has seen most of them. Um, we're going to kind of cruise through the first three because I don't know anything about <laughs> the Supporting Actor, Actresses. Maybe Murph can tell us. But um, All right, Murph, I'll let you kick it off. Best Supporting Actor, give us your thoughts. This is this is a big year, 89th, 89th annual Oscar. Sure. So actor in a supporting role, the five nominees are Jeff Bridges for Hell or High Water, which is, I know, a movie you guys saw. Love it. Lucas Hedges in Manchester by the Sea, Dev Patel in Lion, Michael Shannon in Nocturnal Animals, and Mahershala Ali in Moonlight. Did you Google how to say Mahershala? I didn't because I'd heard his name a lot because he's the favorite and is also uh, my pick for actor and supporting right. role. He's been all over the other lower award shows, so his name has been said a lot. I, also, I Googled, though, how to say his full name, which is, which is Mahershala Hashbaz Ali. <laughs> That's an insane first name. It's apparently the longest name in the Bible. Um, nice. and. But regardless of how what, what his name is, he delivered an awesome performance in Moonlight as the dad to kind of the main character in the movie. What? And so I don't know if we should do this now or at Best Picture, but we can we can describe we the pic describe? pictures at the end. Okay, at the end. Uh, okay, cool. But other than that, you you probably recognize him from Luke Cage um, and House of Cards. He's a pretty polarizing um, figure. He usually some, often plays the bad guy, but in, in, in uh, Moonlight, he plays uh, a great father figure type role um, throughout the film. And I think he is going to get the win over, I think the, the second favorite, favorite in the category was Jeff Bridges for Hell or High Water, um, playing, as you guys discussed on previous podcasts, yep. a similar type um, authoritative figure. Uh, the dude abides the dude. Uh, <laughs> in general, but not, not, not for this category. <laughs> All right, so that's your supporting actor pick is the... Uh, Try to say it, Derek. Yeah, I'm not going to. So, <laughs> uh, so that brings us to supporting actress. So supporting actress uh, is a category that, in general, everyone thinks there's a clear standout winner. Uh, the five nominees, really quick, are Michelle Williams in Manchester by the Sea, Octavia Spencer in Hidden Figures, Nicole Kidman in Lion, Naomi Harris in Moonlight, and then the... The standout clear favorite is uh, Viola Davis in Fences. Huh. So she plays the foil or the counterpoint uh, to Denzel Washington. Um, so Fences is uh, a movie that was originally a play by August Wilson, um, turned into a movie. And the interesting thing about this is that Denzel and Viola Davis originally um, were on screen sorry, not on screen, were uh, performed the play on Broadway. And they were the two leading characters in the huh. play. So then they were e able to easily transition their performances to the big right. screen. And the performance she delivers is crazy. I'm sure you've seen screenshots of her crying with snot pouring down yeah. her face. I have not, but I've seen her in other uh, movies and she's very good and very expressive so that that makes total sense a lot of our listeners probably watch her every thursday on oh. abc how to get away with murder <laughs> um which i don't watch at all <laughs> but she I, I heard she's great on that and even a better performance in fences so if you're looking to see some awesome acting i would highly recommend it awesome all right so that's the pick uh for best supporting actress and now the category i probably know the least about Best director, and I can guess what's going to win based on just chatter. But I want to hear, I want to hear you go through the nominees. So yeah, this is the first time we're probably going to bring up the fact that La La Land is a clear favorite in a lot of the categories it's nominated for. 
Um, I don't know what the total amount of nominations is. I think it's in the teens somewhere. And I, I think and, I read 14. And I think it like set a record for, or tied a record for most nominations. And the movie was great. I think it's going to take, uh, Damien Chazelle is going to take the award home for best directing. I honestly don't know what goes into qualifying or judging how one best directs a movie. I guess the finished product speaks a lot for itself, but uh, I think he's going to take the award over uh, the other nominees, which include um, Denis Villeneuve in Arrival, uh, Mel Gibson, the infamous in Hacksaw Ridge, Kenneth Lonergan in Manchester by the Sea, and Barry Jenkins in Moonlight. Um, That's actually a pretty star-studded, I would say, directing Pack. The one guy I'm really looking forward to in the future, uh, his movies was Dennis uh, Villeneuve in Arrival. He's done some pretty awesome movies in the past in Sicario and Prisoners, uh-huh. um, which were two great movies. And he delivered again in Arrival. And although I don't think he's going to be able to outtop Damien Chazelle, um, I'm really excited for what he's going to do in the future, particularly uh, Blade Runner's sequel, 2049, which he's. Um, pick to direct so maybe we'll be seeing more of him in the future i this is a a question that no one will know the answer to but if we had a like a research division i would ask them this question but what is the split between like how often a best director and best picture winner go hand in hand because you would assume it it would have to be a lot but then like you said there's probably some crazy right and and i think that's where there's there's got to be more that there's a lot more than we know that goes into the selection of the best director it's not just the finished product it can't be because otherwise they'd be very they'd be what else would like how how would someone be able to to vote on best director oh well someone in the academy people i mean doesn't people in the academy are a lot more closer tied to the industry than us three jabronis (laughs) sitting around the table (laughs) pontificating about movies i'm just gonna say i bet best director is super political I bet it's just who you like the best with it, because like what? Yeah, Honestly, I, out of all these, I think the actors should vote on best out of, director. But from what I've heard about the Oscar nomination process and the awards, there's a lot of politicking that goes yeah. involved. So I don't know what kind of back backroom deals, yeah, and you know, side arming goes down for all these categories. But I think directing is definitely one of those categories that sure. that a lot happens. Yeah, and, and there's for, a. Yeah, so except for last guy's inner Furious Inaratu, what was his name? The, oh, uh, you love that guy, Iner, uh, Alejandro Iner- G. Inaritu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where is he this year? I don't know. Oh, I bet, I bet he's um, he took a year off to direct, you know, his next message. Yeah, yeah, true. I, I think that uh, director is probably one of the most redundant categories, I would say. There's a lot of overlap between them, um, but you know, when you look at like best picture, best cinematography, you know, there's a lot of things that combine into you know, similar categories and director sort of is maybe in the middle of all of those where, you know, what, what, what about directing the movie isn't covered by some of the other things, you know, cinematography goes into that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely it's a little like bit redundant. If you had to vote for an MVP and one was best passer and best like running quarterback and then best quarterback. Yeah. Like you had to vote for pieces and then vote for the best. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a bad analogy. Like, like if, if you're the, dir- if you're talking about director, you'd yeah. vote for best quarterback and then you'd vote for like, Best, best like game manager, yeah. Like, and it's like probably the best quarterback is the best game manager. Yeah. So had to bring it back to sports somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> we just couldn't it. wait. All right, couldn't wait. Now to the categories that uh, Derek and I at least know a bit about too. Uh, the best. We'll start with. You want to start with best actor or actress, Murph? Let's do actress because I don't uh, really know much about. Uh, I haven't seen most of these performances. All right, so best actress hit us. So best actresses are. <laughs> Ruth Nega and Loving, a movie I unfortunately haven't seen, um, but it's about uh, an interracial love story set in the 50s. Um, and then we have Emma Stone in La La Land. She plays the leading lady alongside Ryan Gosling and delivers an awesome performance in the musical about um, her becoming, uh, pursuing her acting career. Sure, sure. Next is Meryl Streep, Hollywood's Golden Girl, which I don't think I've seen any of her movies. Over, overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible actress. Terrible Sad. actress. Overrated, overrated actress. Uh, and Florence Foster Jenkins. It's about a, a singer who doesn't sing well, so I'm not going to see that. Next <laughs> is Isabelle Huppert in Elle. It's a foreign film, which I also haven't seen, but she took home the Golden Globe. Um, ah. She's considered a, a leading uh, favorite for this role. And then... Last but not least is Natalie Portman in Jackie, who play, portrays Jackie Onassis Kennedy uh, during the week after uh, JFK's assassination. And it's an awesome movie I saw. And it really helped portray 
kind of the harrowing ordeal that Jackie went through, you know, after the assassination. You know, history, throughout history, people are, have always been obsessed with kind of the assassination and the aftermath that took place kind of in, in the political um, realm, but kind of the movie does a good job of portraying what Jackie goes through and her family goes through, you know, that week after the assassination. I I love Natalie Portman, so, I mean, that, that gets my vote. I haven't seen any of these movies, so... You made it sound good, so I'm gonna vote Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, me yeah, the favorite is Emma Stone, yeah. but I think I'm gonna, for this one category, break away from the favorite and go with Natalie Portman. All right, All right there we Natalie's go. It's unanimous. Board. It's unanimous. Unanimous Portman. So that means she has to win. And um, she does a great job portraying Jackie. Both her her wardrobe is spot on, and her accent and her look, it, it's really kind of captivating. Cool. cool. Best costume design, maybe too. Natalie Portman. All right, next up, best actor. Um, so let me see. I only know one of the guys. I've only seen a movie with one of the guys. Derek, I think. Uh, me as well. Correct. So the five nominees are Andrew Garfield in Hacksaw Ridge, which I think you guys saw. One we've seen. Ryan Gosling in La La Land. He plays uh, Sebastian, who is a jazz pianist and who falls in love with Emma Stone. Uh, Viggo Mortensen in Captain Fantastic, a movie I I haven't seen, but he plays the dad of six who kind of lives in isolation with his family, and then he's forced to reconcile and reunite with society after kind of a life-changing incident. I heard it's really good, just haven't seen it. Uh, Denzel Washington in Fences, which I discussed earlier. Denzel delivers an awesome acting performance in this. Denzel never fails to deliver. (laughs) He really does. such a good actor. (laughs) I think he's one of the greatest actors definitely of our time. Yeah. Um, and then, so I think it's what, from what I've read, it's a, it's going to be a fight between Denzel and then the other nominee, Casey Affleck in Manchester by the sea, who delivers a pretty gut wrenching performance as, uh, the uncle and guardian for, uh, his nephew. And he's, um, forced to come into his nephew's life after his brother passes away suddenly and kind of deal with the aftermath and ramifications of, of being a guardian for uh, a youth in today's age. And mm. it's a pretty, it's a pretty harrowing, emotional and, um, you know, deep performance. And I think that he, Casey Affleck, despite any um, scandals that might be going on in his personal life, I think he's going to take <laughs> away the, uh, the Oscar. All right, so Casey Affleck. There I'm gonna, go. There's the pick. I'm so it's definitely not Andrew Garfield. We watched Hacksaw Ridge, yeah, it's and not. that was not an Oscar worthy no. acting performance. It was I don't know what it was, but it was not Oscar worthy. Um, I'm gonna go Denzel. I'm picking Denzel because I love me some Denzel. Uh, I'll go Ryan Gosling. Well, that's a safe pick. There we go. Yeah. So, we, so we just have three different picks. All so. those three guys won a respective award. Uh, Casey Affleck won for drama, Golden Globe. Denzel won a SAG award, and then Ryan Gosling won the musical Golden Globe. Award. Ah, typically the drama Golden Globe outweighs the musical, yeah. but this could be this right. could be a, right. a, a, an off year. Yeah, true. Even odds. Yeah, even odds even for the odds. guys. Um, all right, so the last category is uh, obviously the most important one. Everyone cares about Best Picture nominees, and I want to do read the names of them. I don't think there's, what is there, nine? One, two, three, four, nine. five, six, seven. There's nine of them. So we don't have to talk about all of them, but let's pick like two or three or four and t- actually talk about the movie and what we yeah, thought about it. I think we should it. talk a little bit more about La-, La La Land. Yes, we haven't talked about La La Land at all. So La La Land, I think, is the clear favorite here again. Um, it's a musical about a musician played by Ryan Gosling again and an aspiring actress, Emma Stone, who fall in love in L.A. and kind of the first half of the movie is them falling in love and then trying to pursue their dream. And then the second half is kind of what comes of that and kind of how their relationship um, goes forward. And it's, it's been a super popular movie so, uh, both wh- in and out of, you know, critic circles. Did you love it or hate it? Cause I feel like I've talked to a lot of people and they've either, I, I've talked to a few people who hated it so much and I don't know why I loved it personally. I think kind of my expectations going in were super high and the movie definitely lived up to my expectations. Uh, I'm kind of a sucker for musicals and comedies <laughs> like this, so uh, it, it fit in my wheelhouse. All right, uh, I'm. That's the one that that of these that I haven't seen. I've only seen two of them, but the one that I actually want to see because it's getting so much press right now. Yeah, 
it's getting a lot of hype. Um, some of the others that might, um, well, let's let's run through the list. Run, run through it. Yeah. So then we also have Arrival uh, about aliens and communicating with aliens. We have Fences, which we've discussed. Hacksaw Ridge, um, which is a movie about an American pacifist combat medic and kind of his journey throughout World War II. Uh, Hell or High Water, which came out a while ago. It's been going around on the on-demand circuit, and which yeah. I saw and you guys saw as well. Yeah. Right? I loved it, yeah. It's a, and you guys, I know, discussed on a previous podcast where it's about, you know, these two brothers who embark upon a series of bank robberies to kind of meet an end goal all while being pursued by the infamous Jeff Bridges. And it's a pretty awesome suspense and action movie. Yeah. It's not too deep is the thing. Like, if a movie's going to win Best Picture, I think it's got to be a bit deeper. Hell, yeah. or high water cer- Hell or High Water certainly was well acted, well, I guess well directed. I guess I can say that now yeah. that we're talking about the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, but it was fun, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's just a good yeah, story. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a modern day kind of western. Yeah, I would say. exactly. Uh, we have Hidden Figures, which I actually unfortunately haven't seen, but it's getting a lot of push lately. Hmm. Um, For best a picture, late, it got a lot of late push. For best picture, it got uh, yeah because it got released relatively late in the Oscars cycle, but it's been well received by the public and kind of the critics' um, opinion opinions have been kind of growing fonder and fonder for the movie so i wouldn't be surprised if somehow that edged out wildland but um we'll see if that happens it's about you know three african-american mathematicians and their involvement in kind of the space race Hmm. okay cool uh next is lion which i haven't seen but i saw the 60 minutes piece on so i'm basically (laughs) an expert it's about it's a true story about this Indian boy who gets separated from his family and his mother um, and he takes the train um, accidentally and winds up in the middle of India and having nowhere, uh. having no idea where he is, which I can't even imagine as, as a kid. And then he, he gets, ends up getting adopted by an Australian family. And then 25 years later, he uses his photographic memory uh, and uh. the use of Google Maps huh. to find the kind of the his hometown and reunite with his with his family cool uh next is manchester by the sea which we've discussed it's also i think one of the uh a high favorite to take home the prize Um, what are the so what are the top two like if you had to say top two the only la la land is obviously most likely going to win from what we hear but what would be the The last one one would be moonlight which won for best drama golden globe Okay. Um, and I saw Moonlight. It was an awesome movie. It's about a young black man growing up in Miami um, during you know modern times and his kind of his growth and his discovery of his sexuality and um, maturity. And it's broken up into three parts: him as a little boy, as a teenager, and then as a man. And the acting throughout the 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 movie is superb uh, by you know the series of um, three actors who portray mm-hmm. this uh, kid named Chiron and it it's this one of the top favorites next to Outland. All right. Cool. So, I got to ask Murph, of the movies that you've watched, what's your favorite and what's your least favorite? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> least favorite's a tough one cuz they're all good movies. I know, obviously. they're all really good movies obviously cuz they're nominated for an Oscar. I don't La La Land I don't think is my favorite movie, but I think it's my pick for to take home the Oscar okay. because um, Hollywood has a history of loving to reward and glorify movies about Hollywood. Very so true. this takes the cake for that. Um, <laughs> you know, they have a history of giving the awards to, for example, Birdman, um, The Artist, and Chicago, all won for Best Picture. And I think that's going to be the case for La La Land. My favorite movie, I think, was... Moonlight. All right. Cool. Just because the acting performances are are superb. My least favorite, which I don't think deserves to be on the list for best picture, would probably be, be Arrival. I I think I agree. Kind of agree. It was super unique, but not a best picture movie. Right. Yeah. I I, I wouldn't. I agree. There was nothing I felt that like separated it for best picture. I don't know. It, it was. It was. It kept my attention the whole time. But like it. 
I don't know. It didn't meet no. that next level of being a best picture movie. It, it transcended sci-fi movies in the past. I would say your 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 normal sci-fi anime yeah. movie, mm-hmm. and it did a great job of doing that. But I don't think it, like you said, transcended the barrier to be best yeah. picture worthy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's it. Uh, uh, so, Derek, out of the three movies we saw, Hell or High Water, Hacksaw Ridge, or Arrival, what's your best picture? Out of those three. Yeah. Are you, gonna those, ju- uh, you gonna judge the ones you haven't seen? Well, yeah, but just well, no, I'm not. Pick um, out of those three, for out of those like three, their listeners. You know, out of those three, I would go with Hell or High Water, Me too. even oh, though, oh. even though it, like I said, I don't think it meets the standards of a Best Picture. Um, it, it was a great movie. Like it was my favorite out of those three. And I'm picking Jeff Bridges for Best and, Supporting Actor. Yeah, I would agree with that too. Do it. Hacksaw Ridge was, uh, you know, I, I would put Hacksaw Ridge second. I think it's still more of a Best Picture than Arrival is, but uh, I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't crazy about it. Um, you know, I, I, I might even say I like the rival a little bit better, but I think if I was voting for best picture, I would go one Hell or High Water, two Hacksaw Ridge, three Arrival. I think I would do Hell or High Water and then switch Arrival to Arrival. Hacksaw Ridge third. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. One oh. thing to uh, just mention about the Oscars, if, if even if you haven't seen any of these movies, my boy Jimmy Kimmel is going to be presenting <laughs> and hosting the Oscars. I love Jimmy Kimmel out of all the uh, late night hosts, but I think he's going to do a great job of uh, the open opening monologue, which is always uh, the best kind of moment in the Oscars where the host gets to roast not only the actors, but I think he's definitely going to lay in on probably the current uh, President Trump yeah. situation. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah, so that, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Uh, another definitely. fun fact, my fantasy baseball team name this year is Manchester by the Steve. All right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Good job. From the best pictures. Good job. Yeah. That's a good one. So that's that, I think. Any any other closing thoughts on analysis before we test your Oscar knowledge? Do you think Murph? it's going to be a good Oscar? Is it going to be the best Oscars? I think it'll be a good Oscar. <laughs> I think it'll be the best from a host, hosting standpoint, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> but if you're looking for upsets, I don't think this is going to be the year because I think La La Land might just take them all home, unfortunately. And there's no Leo. There's no Leo to win. There's no Leo. There's no Brad. No Angelina. It's gonna yeah. be yeah. There's no drama. Where's all the drama? I need I need yeah. my A-listers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, well, Murph, thanks for the preview. But now we have some real tests for you. We have know your tens, uh, a special named know your tens that I'm very proud of. Oscar or Imposter. <laughs> <laughs> Murph, you know the drill. You've played before. Know your tens. Um, it's not the standard know your tens. We've got uh, ten questions for you. Um, but in the theme of Oscar or Imposter, your first question. Are you ready? Are you excited? I'm ready. You think This is a big test because you just did your Oscar preview. So. All right. All right. Um, which of these two categories is a real category and which is wrong? That's just the first question. Live action short film or best animated voiceover actor or actress? Best animated voiceover actor or actress. Is what? Is what? Not a category. Not a category. Correct. That is correct. One for one. And answered very confidently. That, that best animated voice actor is an Imposter award. I listened to your podcast last week and then looked up the Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, this isn't a set of 10 of those type yeah. of questions because there's not enough to do that. So there's only three of these type of or two of these type of questions. There's only actually. two, and then the rest just kind of... Um, okay, cool. So number two, which you uh, I we, we will presumably get right if you've <laughs> if you've researched. <laughs> number two, uh, which of these three awards is not the a real music award in the Oscars? Music original score, music film soundtrack, or music original song? Music original film soundtrack. <laughs> Our music film soundtrack <laughs> is an imposter. <laughs> Correct. Dang it. Music film soundtrack. Okay, well that's is an the imposter. last of those okay. questions. So. <laughs> Good job on those two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number three. Which movie did not win an Oscar for Best Picture out of these three? No Country for Old Men, Argo, or Avatar? Avatar. Avatar. Did not. Correct. Three wow. for three. Three for you three. You know your stuff. I think these get a little harder, though. I think I these get harder, get harder towards the end. I think these get harder towards the end. Here we go. Number four. Which of these actors has won an Oscar for Best Actor. Tom Cruise, Will Smith, 
or Nicolas Cage? For best leading actor? Correct. Best leading actor. Will Smith. Wait, no. Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Can I see Nick Cage? Correct. Let's go. Wow. How would you know that? Because I knew it wasn't Tom Cruise. (laughs) And and then I I was trying to think what Will Smith would have won for, and I I thought it would have been Ali, but I don't think he did win for that. I don't recall. I guess that's too recent. (laughs) Tell the truth. No, he won. uh, Nick Cage won an Oscar. Raising Arizona? Leaving Las Vegas. Oh, leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, which is crazy. He's a terrible actor. (laughs) That was back when he was somewhat good. Yeah. Okay, well, you are officially four for four, Murph. Uh, Okay, here we go. They definitely get harder now. Question number five. The number of competitive award categories. Is it 24, 35, or 50? What defines a competitive award category? Awards given away during the Oscars. Not, uh, not necessarily not the, during the not the rec- not like the recognition ones. I'm assuming. Like yes. sometimes they'll do like a like an award for an award a film or, where there's where there's nominees. Yeah. A category for where there's nominees. Yeah. Can you give the, right. the options again? Twenty-four, thirty-five, or fifty. I'm gonna go with thirty-five. Thirty-five. Can I see thirty-five? Mm. Oh, see these numbers. I'm not good with these numbers. Oh, yeah, you're not good with these numbers. What is it, 24? Yeah, 24. All right. 24 categories. So four for five, still on a great pace. Uh, But we got a couple more numbers questions, so this might be... You're bad with the numbers. I need to call my hidden figures, girls. (laughs) All right, number six. What is the approximate weight of an Oscar? Oh, I know it's heavy, I Is it two pounds, eight pounds, or 11 pounds? 11 pounds. 11 pounds. Can I see 11 pounds? Oh, my God. <laughs> it is eight pounds. Oh, hot start. So Slowing the down. Numbers are, the numbers are the killing numbers you. The numbers are tough. So four for six. All right. So four for six still good pace. You're above Murph pace. Um, <laughs> question number seven. <laughs> Murph above Murph pace. This is, this is kind of hard. What is the length of the red carpet approximately? Dude, these numbers questions are so <laughs> stupid. Wow. You got to know it. If you're in the Oscars, I can, the Oscars I can name guy. the actors in movies. Like, these numbers are not fair. <laughs> is it 300 yards? Is it 300 yards, 100 yards, or 500 yards? I'm going to go with 100. Wait, 100 yards is a football field. That seems pretty far. To walk a red carpet. I'm gonna go, and it's it's from the limo to the stage, to the st- to the stage, stage? Sure. or wow. to like the front I, I door. Know. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Actually, stage. maybe it does go to the stage. Yeah. See that changes the game. <laughs> I'm gonna go with 300 yards. 300 yards. Can I see 300 yards? Let's go. That is correct. Right. See, that was a key. That's a big that was a key uh, distinction. Piece of information. Yeah. It may or may not be true, but because if it was <laughs> at the front helped. door, I would have said it a hundred. Yeah, because there can't be three hundred yards worth of it outside of the building. The correct right? answer, either way, is three hundred yards. <laughs> All right. So. All right. So five for seven. Back on track. Here we go. Here's number eight. Which of these awards was proposed for addition to the Oscar slate, but rejected every year from 1991 till 2012? So it was put up for proposal. Is it an animated film? And placed All right, in, what are the, what are the all right so here, here, are the, uh, here are the possibilities. A, best title writing. B, best stunt coordination. C, best film location coordination. Or D, best innovation in CGI. Probably innovation in CGI. Final answer. Best innovation in CGI. <clears throat> Incorrect. It is best stunt coordination. Stunt coordination, that was my second guess. All right, five so. for eight. That's just a fun fact. It's rejected 11 years in a row. All right. Which is the longest movie ever to win Best Picture? And I have four here for you. And they're, <laughs> these are good answers because they're all very long. <laughs> Gone with the Wind, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, Titanic, or Braveheart? Which is the longest movie? Those, those all won, so which is the longest? The, and they did all win. It's yeah, not a trick. Yeah, I know. I don't think it's. Dang, these are that's a tough one because <laughs> they're all long. Yeah, yeah, they're all real long. I think I'm gonna go with. So it's Gone with the Wind, Lord of the Rings. Av- what was it? Gone with the Gone Wind, with Lord, of the, Lord Rings. of the Rings, Return of the King, Titanic, or Braveheart. I'm gonna go with Braveheart. Braveheart. 
Can I see Braveheart? <laughs> Incorrect. It is Gone with the Wind. 234 minutes. Jeez. It's a long movie. Almost four hours. I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. I haven't seen it, actually. So, admittedly, um, these questions are way harder in the second half. Yeah, we had to get harder. <laughs> yeah, because you knew I was going to crush it. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right, okay. here's your... Last question. Yeah. Or I'll let you read it, Derek. Because okay. it's, it's your turn to read it. <laughs> Which country has won the most foreign language film Oscars awards? Is it A, France, B, Italy, C, Spain, or D, Japan? Ooh, I think I'm going to go with France. France, final answer? Yeah. Can I see France? Ooh. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was close. <laughs> it is Italy. France has won 12, and Italy has won 13. Oh, that's tough. you got to know that, tough. though. you got to know <laughs> that France has won... One less hey, in Italy. This is this is just building your arsenal for Oscar knowledge. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I'm better educated. Now. Well, we Thank knew you. we knew that <laughs> you Thank would you for these categories. <laughs> I think you went four for four out four out of four five, four. and then one. Yeah, four for actually, yeah, you're right. Four for four. four, four, four now what am I? Four for seven. You're done. That's ten. That was ten. <laughs> five for ten. Oh, we did ten categories. Yeah, yeah. we did ten oh, questions. That was ten questions. Dang, there were some tough ones. <laughs> Hey, we did honestly. We there. did make them harder because way harder. We should have mixed them up a little more. I, the, the the thing is, the question for the we should have mixed up the questions. That's what we should have done. But it's hard to find middle of the road Oscar uh, yeah, questions. Yeah, it is because it's it is. They're either movies you know or so. Or movies so I, you don't. yeah, I actually went searching for like random Oscar trivia and like like for instance, the longest one to win Best Picture. That like was that good. was one of the ones that had notif- noticeable like n- like well-known movies in it. You know, like I, there was other ca- other random trivia we could have picked that was just like who like was the first to do this or something and like you'd never get it. So at least they were recognizable uh, names. So but yeah, that's tough. You're right. There's no real No prize. No prize, Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No. Very unfair. Very unfair. So, um right. <laughs> So that's it. That is that, our Oscar preview. Um do do we want to say any last things about the Oscar? Anything we're looking forward to? are we gonna watch it? Are we gonna be excited for it? I'm just super pumped to see what all the actresses are gonna be wearing on the <laughs> It's yeah, very all true. 300 yards of it. And also, Who are you wearing? I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also have Jimmy Kimmel. That we, yes. you know, Jimmy Kimmel, I think, is... I, honestly, now that you mentioned it, I didn't even consider it, but the opening monologue is going to be fire. I hope so. Or at least it's going to be... There are high expectations. Yeah, exactly. I think it will be. Expectations are high. I think it will be. Cool. So, All right, that wraps up quarter number three. Uh, as we said, Murph's going to hang around and chime in if he wants to. So Murph, we got you good to hang around? The, I got nowhere to be. <laughs> All right. Actually, so, I'm missing Bachelor, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> We've been there. We've been there, done that. Um, all right. So, uh, fourth quarter, sports. So, uh, let's start with uh, Sunday night. We had the NBA All-Star Game. Uh, final score was the West 192, the East 182. So, uh, defensive battle. What are your thoughts on the All-Star Game? Uh, should I start? Go Yeah, go I for don't- it even like calling them all-star games anymore <laughs> i don't like calling them games they are it's they're showcases yeah it's they a, are showcases it's a dunk contest it's it's not a game and it's because they already have a dunk contest too yeah which is stu- it's not fun to watch um it's fun to watch the highlights of it uh it was fun for the first 30 seconds when you were thinking that russell westbrook and kevin durant were actually mad at each other and then they threw each other an alley-oop uh so so if an alley-oop can can heal so this, this sounds dumb. I do believe they were mad at each other before. I, I, I oh, do yeah, believe definitely so. Before. Well, before the game. But yeah, yeah. It obviously wasn't a true, genuine, like, over insurmountable anger. And it's kind of sad, too. We've talked about this, too. But the NBA is dying for something like that. Yeah, I know. Like the NBA needs a rivalry. It needs a hatred somewhere. And these guys, within 30 seconds of the game starting, yeah. throw an alley-oop and then dap. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah. So, so everyone's the same in the NBA. So... Uh, I will say I don't think it's over. Uh, so, so I, I don't think that was the alley oop that heals all. Like I, I still think the next time that KD goes to OKC next week, and and gets on the floor against Westbrook, I think this thing's back again. But like, like uh, to me, that was that was Russ, who's the biggest hardo in the league, being like, all right, I won't, I won't, I won't, make I won't do this here. Like, like this is the All Star game. Like uh, we're on the same team, we're on the same floor. The fans. I know they love that we hate each other like now, but like you know, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna be a child about this. It, it would have been a bad look for both of them. Yeah, it really would have if they yeah, if they, they refused to pass to each other. Like I mean, it would have been great for ESPN and, <laughs> yeah. and the NBA yeah. and, and 
but I, culture in general. I mean, but. even leading up to it, you saw the the pregame stuff. Like Westbrook was warming up by himself down the other end of yeah. the court, away from the team. Like that that was overhyped. Yeah. If it, if you have an open basketball oh, rim yeah. away from your tw- ten other teammates, oh, yeah, you're you gonna shoot, shoot at the one you that's empty. Yeah. You shoot on it. Yeah. Was, a lot of it's been overhyped. Um, but you know. I, Looking at Westbrook and like kind of the kind of player and guy he is, I don't doubt for a second that he still holds a ton of resentment towards KD. So I think a lot of it is genuine. But you're right; it's it was obviously overhyped a little bit. But you know, I do think as that goes forward, they're still going to continue to you know have a little bit of animosity on the court when they play in real meaningful games. You know, I'm also gonna. Are we gonna talk about the dunk contest at all? Or are we just gonna? We, we can talk about it. Okay, so the All Star game we know is it's it's a flop, but it's not expected to be anything spectacular. Yeah. Are, are uh, the bar was set really high for dunk contests recently. Last year. And we had a pretty decent lineup. Aaron Gordon had a great performance last year. Um, and we Zach were, Levine. Yeah, and Zach yeah. Levine had an unbelievable one. Unfortunately, he wasn't playing yeah, he or, he wasn't in it this year. But I would say overall a big disappointment from the dunk contest. But it's hard to say that because now I'm thinking, okay, those past two years were an outlier. Yeah. And the dunk contest actually isn't as cool as yeah. it The one thing I think athletes need to do going into the dunk contest is to actually be able to perform dunks so you can finish on your first attempt yeah. <laughs> and like not drop sure a it. ball from a drone three times in a row and not be able to finish your dunk and it, then take a minute to reload it. It ruins how the, can you not? How can you not do it in three dunks? Like, haven't you practiced it? Like, yeah. you should be able to hit your dunk yeah. 75% it, it, of the time. It looked like that with Aaron Gordon there, it looked like, like I can't imagine that he practiced that and did it a hundred times, it, like because he just wasn't getting like close enough to dunk it, you know, like 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 he should have un- like he should have discovered and practiced that. Oh, the drone drops the ball. Like I don't have time to get it through my legs yeah. and dunk it. Like he he wasn't like, oh, getting close. Oh, adjust. Like grab yeah. the like, even. Yeah. Or on the third attempt, just take it into a windmill or so, like like you can't like the drone is the reason you're you're there. <laughs> yeah. Don't try yeah. to make it between the legs and not yeah. dunk it. I also don't appreciate how the past couple of years the dunk contest. The dunks themselves would turn into huge commercials. Yeah, that's oh, also yeah. true. That was a totally an Intel commercial. That whole I think Aaron Gordon sometimes thing. you know, I just need to strip it back and just do like an insane dunk without any props. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I would be totally in on in in favor of either eliminating props or saying like you can do props on one of your dunks. One, like yeah, yeah, but like but like because honestly, well, the best dunks don't have props. Like, exactly, like the the Zach Levine behind the back one last year and the Aaron Gordon. Through, but under yeah. the legs, one were unbelievable. Yeah, and, and those were not and, prop dunks. And those non-prop dunks, like when they show them in the highlight later in super slow mo, they look amazing. Like, like you're, he's just like gliding through the air from like the free throw line, or like you know coming from behind the backboard and like ducking it, and like you know you know using the natural elements. Whereas like when they do a slow mo of like you know as cool as it was originally, like when Dwight Howard like blew out the cupcake candle on the top of the backboard that or something. Dwight. Like or uh, who was it? Was it? Someone uh, Gerald Green Dwight. maybe? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, like so as cool as that is it's like you do it once and it's like all right now i'm showing this in super slow-mo and he's just like jumping up and doing something the originator of this trend was when blake griffin dunked over the kia and it turned into actual commercials yeah so i think we can all blame blake griffin all right that's fair enough so um, i just want to bring up one thing about that got a rep for my boy chris stapps for zingas uh three six lafia holding it down in the skills (laughs) challenge yeah a seven footer taking taking it home yeah second year in a row beat out um who was he matched up against? He beat out the future Celtic, uh, white guy Gordon Hayward. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. In a surprisingly, you know, close battle. Yeah, nice. Nice. Um, so that's the one trophy Knicks fans can bring home. <laughs> I, Chris be- I believe it's the second year in a row big guy won. I think that Carl uh, Anthony Towns won last year, I think. Yeah. Oh, did sure. he? A big yeah. guy won last but, year. But Chris Stapps, Chris Stapps won pretty far last year. Oh, okay. But but the big guys, the talented big guys have a big advantage there. Um, He's a unicorn. Know, when they have the talent. So. Um, so there you go. So Chris Apps wins that. Um, uh, and I would like to make one plug. I think the celebrity all-star game should be, uh, and I don't know how feasible this is, but the celebrity game should be an old-timers game. Old-timer NBA players? Yes. Like yeah, old NBA like Jason players. Williams. I'd yeah. love to see like. Just only old NBA players. Or White Chocolate. Yeah. White Chocolate was it's Jason it. Williams. It's Jason Williams. You know, same guy. But once, if it was only those type of guys. Once you've been retired for a couple years, yeah, you're, if you're If you've eligible. been out for five years, yeah. you're allowed to play. Like so even, it, even like. Kevin two, Garnett in it. Two would or be three great. years from now, having KG and like Kobe and, yeah, and Shaq. Exactly. And How Pierce, amazing would that, that be? That would, that would be, be awesome. Having, I felt like Gilbert Arenas was a little too close to being out of the league. To I be still in feel it. like Gilbert yeah. Arenas is in the league. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I would get. I, I've had enough of Kevin Hart in those games. Oh, like, I give me the old Hart. NBA players. Uh, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Cool. Um, so the biggest news, none of that was news. <laughs> that, that was, was that was just news. all that just happened. Not nobody cares about all that stuff. The big news that came out is that Boogie Cousins gets traded to the Pelicans like an hour after the All Star game for a gallon you know, of milk. P- p- for a gallon. <laughs> so we'll talk about the package in a minute. So he started um, 
he played only two minutes in the All-Star game. Everybody else was at least 12 minutes or so. Like, they coaches always do, do their job of getting everybody who made the All-Star team on the court for at least a, a decent amount of the game. Uh, Boogie plays two minutes, so it becomes pretty clear that something's going on there. Uh, turns out that he's, you know, Vladdy Divac is making arrangements to send him to New Orleans. So Boogie doesn't even get back on the plane for Sacramento. He stays in New Orleans and now is teamed up with Anthony Davis. He's like, he's like, okay, I live here now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how yeah. are they going to both start and be the four and five? Like, they who will plays be the, the four. four? Uh, Anthony Davis plays the four from what I've heard. Uh, they showed some stats on ESPN today. They said that they showed Anthony Davis's stats as a four and as a five this year, and they're way better as a four. He's like insanely dominant as a four. Um, both of those, both guys. of those guys can play either position. They can both shoot. Yeah. Um, but so let's talk about the return. The, the Kings get uh, Buddy Heald, um, Buddy Heald, a first round pick, a second round pick, and uh, a couple other throw in players, Tyreek Evans and Langston Galloway. Let's, I think. So, let's eliminate Tyreek Evans and Langston, and Langston Galloway, Galloway. So from the, the, the conversation. The, the package is Buddy Heald and a first round pick. Let's eliminate the second, second round, round pick, pick too. too. So it's Buddy Heald and a potential lottery pick, but also not a lock because it's the, if the low, Pelicans so it's make the, the lower of the Pelicans and Clippers picks. Oh, is it okay. next year? So and well, both, it's in it's in this year's draft. It's yeah. in twenty seventeen. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so okay. whatever, whatever. I don't okay. know what the Pelicans. I'm pretty sure they were okay. almost a lottery pick or a lottery. Lower pick meaning, uh, whichever is the the worst pick or better. The pick? better pick. Better pick. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So it'll be the Pelicans. Yeah. Um, it'd be crazy if the if the Clippers fell that far. But still, the Pelicans now could make the playoffs at the eight with with Boogie and Anthony Davis, which would put them out of the lottery and put that pick at like sixteen, yeah. seventeen. Which is something. crazy because now you're competing against your pick. Exactly. Which is exactly. I mean, I guess that's how you have to do yeah, it. There's exactly. No and and it, the funniest part about this that I people have learned recently is that the Kings put themselves in a huge hole two years ago. The Kings, if the Kings finish worse than the 76ers, they have to swap their pick with the Sixers. Uh, nobody knew that until the Kings got put in the spotlight. Trust the process. But the Kings, <laughs> yeah. ba- the Kings basically made a trade two years ago for like cap reasons, and they gave the Sixers two pick swaps, thinking that there's no way they would be worse than the Sixers. And now... The Kings, if they were to tank all the way to the number one pick, and the Sixers or, aren't bad. The I Sixers mean, are now Embiid's building something. Now, but... the, the Sixers are still are, are pretty legit as far as futures go. Anyway, um, so the owner of the uh, Kings, Vivek Ranadive, he made the pick because he thinks Buddy Heald is going to be the next so, Steph Curry. Well, so that's that is the argument. That is the well, that's pretty well known too because the, the, there were a lot of reports that the Kings were dying to draft Buddy Heald and they couldn't get up high enough to get him. Uh, in the draft this past year, I, I honestly Still, don't watch a lot of Pelicans basketball. Yeah, we obviously saw him in the tournament, yeah. lighting it up last year. But like, is he? What do you think? So he's been he's been okay this year. Um, so the thing about Buddy Heald is that Buddy Heald is not your. You wanted Buddy Heald. I for did the Celtics. I, I, so I did, but I also knew the Celtics wouldn't take him because they have a gluttony of guards, and they just they, there's no room for another guard uh, draft wise. So I was happy that I, I was okay with Jalen Brown pick. Gluttony but, of guards is also Derek's band name. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so. But but so the, here's the thing about Buddy Heald is that uh, he's good you know he's a good shooter he hasn't shown that he could be an NBA star yet he obviously could still develop but he's 23 years old I mean this, this, he's not one of these young like hasn't grown yet you know he went he's went to college for four years you you a lot of times you don't see that that uh, you know jump you know so you, did you, Steph, Steph right? Curry exactly so Steph Curry is the same type so I the comparison is okay uh, there as far as the type of player and like career progression but. That's what it comes down to is that the is that the the Kings just you know wanted Buddy Heald. Well, they weren't so for the Kings it sucked like they're in a bad spot. Yeah, they well, had to get rid of. They like, put them. They put themselves in. A they bad put spot themselves too, in a bad spot. But, but at that very moment in a vacuum. Yeah, that's probably the best deal they could have gotten because so, they, everyone knows that they they're not going to re-sign Boogie yeah. Cousins. He hates being there. He's yeah. tearing their team apart. They had to get yeah. rid of him. The, and so the, the Pelicans got the, the got funny. A great the deal. funny thing is that just like three weeks ago, the Kings had like you know set out in public that they were going to be they were going to sign Boogie. Like the reports were like he's going to sign a two hundred fifty no. million dollar deal or whatever. Then today, I don't know if you guys saw this today, they were interviewing Vladi Divac, who's their GM, and they asked like you know why didn't you wait till closer to the deadline because you might have been able to get a better deal. And he said we had a better deal than we got two days ago. He told the press that they had a better deal on the table two days ago, and they lost it. And, yeah. and so he said, I don't think we would have gotten a better deal because the deals were getting worse, <laughs> which is something you don't tell the press. You don't yeah. say that. You don't say you had a better deal on the yeah. table two days ago. Um, but so, you know, it's – I don't know. It, it it comes down to that they really wanted uh, Buddy Heald. And, and let's be fair. It may pan out. I mean, they were it's not – possible, they were, yeah. They were sitting in lottery limbo for years with Boogie Cousins. Yeah. They needed to make some switch. Yeah. And, now, what, in hindsight, you can say they should have traded him last year or the year before when they would have gotten a monstrous package for him. I mean, yes. I mean, with still two or three years left on his deal, you know, plenty of teams would have given you a ton for him. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, you know, 
I don't know. That, that's I guess that's what just happens. But uh, so a lot of Celtics fans were were pretty po'd about it that the Celtics didn't go after him. Um, there's rumors that the Celtics didn't even make a, a pursuit of him, uh, despite all the assets that they have. And the the rumors supposedly are that the Celtics are too focused on acquiring Jimmy Butler that they didn't even inquire on Demarcus Cousins, which is kind of interesting to me because I don't know how well that works by just like so narrowing your vision to one player. Whether or not it's Jimmy Butler, the Celtics need to make a move and make it either this yeah. year or next year because they've got I, mean, I don't know They're the, the have details to start taking but, the picks. Yeah. But they have a you're right a stockpile of people and mm-hmm. picks, mm-hmm. and if they just sit on it and continue to, I mean you're not gonna. So as it you're yeah. going to start losing your your lucky first round picks that you got mm-hmm. from the Nets. Like eventually you yeah. yeah, eventually you're going to have to start drafting at your draft spot. Yeah. Which and if you're a good team well, it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. And, and so, you know, they they always talk about Danny Ainge has constantly talked about just building something more sustainable than, you know, a rental player which, yeah. you know, and again, for those reasons I'm actually not really very upset about not getting Cousins because Cousins I agent think, I think Cousins is on the the Howard spectrum. I don't think he makes a team yeah. as better. much better as how the problems di- he might like, cause. Yeah, dysfunctional he becomes. Yeah. With not even just the I mean, players, but like management. This guy's gone through six coaches in yeah. Sacramento. And, and I know that it's not, I, I know that a lot of it is Sacramento. We were just talking about how bad of a franchise that is. But I, I mean, because when you consider that, that the Kings drafted uh, Boogie Cousins, Hassan Whiteside, and Isaiah Thomas, those three guys were on the Kings at one point in time. Yeah. Um, and that's so, a good team. Yeah, that's a, that's a good team. Um, but so, not to take the blame off the Kings, but I, I think there's something to be said for that Boogie has been uncoachable by six different coaches. Um, and, and so, and yeah, and, and his agent was basically leaking out to the press that he is not going to sign an extension wherever he gets traded. So, um, well, the, that's obviously could change, yeah. but but it's a year also, and a half away. I don't know the details too, but just a note, apparently Boogie Cousins lost a ton of money because the, the new CBA. He did, he did, um, and which is very strange, which but it's the strange, way the CBA works. But it's just kind of how it worked, and like LeBron James cashed in, and, yeah, and Boogie Cousins, I mean, he's going to make a crap ton of money. I mean, anyway, I mean so but. the CBA incentivizes you to stay with your team, um, but that for some reason doesn't carry over on the trade, which I feel like it should. Um, if you're trading for a player, that same incentive should apply to you. Like the... The Pelicans should be able the, to offer him whatever the Kings were going to offer yeah, him because they CBA traded is, for him. Is for those who don't know, is the collective bargaining yeah. agreement. It's yeah. kind of like, and the new CBA is is really incentivized to stay with your team mm-hmm. because they're getting so much money from television yeah. contracts. Yeah. Is that the, is that mm-hmm. the deal? I, I don't know exactly why, but yeah, I mean they are getting a ton of money from television contracts. Yeah, and that's so. where like that's where it's it's going is, is keeping yeah. players where they are. So yeah. But but yeah, and it's also to dissuade people from joint from you know super teams and things like that. It's which is I, totally it's, not. It doesn't work. Right? It doesn't There's work. No super teams. It, yeah, the, the mindset doesn't work. But um, doesn't work but yeah. when guys can go outside and get endorsement well, deals. For... Exactly, and and that's that's gonna within the next ten years that's gonna become a huge huge issue in sports. I think as these endorsements go yeah. up, it's like what does the salary cap even mean? But, well, speaking of super teams, the Orlando Magic <laughs> trade Serge Ibaka to the Raptors for a fart in a jar. They for- Oh, sorry, you can bleep that out. For <laughs> yeah. Terrence Ross and a pick in the twenties, which a pick in the twenties in the NBA is might Not as well is, is nothing. Is, is a bench player. I mean, there's, they're like, oh, it's a deep draft, whatever. But no, it's a pick yeah. in the twenties is is not worth anything. Yeah, so, unless not, you're Isaiah not, not reliably worth anything. Unless you're yeah. Isaiah Thomas, yeah, yeah. Picked yeah. So yeah. That's, that's a diamond in the rough. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm kind of over the mat. There's no way to buy a Magic jersey because who do you buy? Because they're going to be gone. But I did hear. Reggie Jackson is connected to the Magic in trade talks. They're actively look, pursuing Reggie Jackson. That's, and if that's the case, yeah. Reggie Jackson jersey that, t-shirt. There right you away. go. I mean, that's you got to build around someone. You got to get some. You, you got rid player. of all the guys you could have built around, so you got to get someone back now um, that you can build around. And he's young, so I think that's a good that's a good option there. Um, yeah, I don't have too much to add to that. And I, the I second half, uh, I read some stat too that the second half of uh, the NBA season is almost a lock. Like, there's very, very few teams that are in it that don't make it, and very few teams that yeah. aren't that do. So, like, yeah. the switch is so minimal that yeah. you can almost skip the second half of the season, and the playoffs will be set. Yeah, it's yeah. There's that's that's mostly true. There in the East last year, there was a lot of teams tightly grouped in their seating changes, yeah. but nothing changes with like who's in and out. Yeah. I mean, the seating can change, but um, so yeah. So that I mean, one thing's for sure is that the next three days will be really interesting because there are a bunch of there are a bunch of teams that are still active in the trade market and a bunch yeah. of big names that are still potentially Celtics on the move. The Celtics are looking to are always rumored something. in there. When's the um, deadline? The deadline's Thursday. So Carmelo's rumored in there too. So so the Knicks are not yeah, anyone want Carmelo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the I mean, one thing is that uh the boogie deal really hurts the Knicks, I think, if they're trying to get a, a return for Carmelo. Um, because those are similar category of 
um, status in their contract and everything like that. But Carmelo is much older. Um, so certainly that I think hurt them. Uh, but Melo has a no trade clause anyway. So there's a limited amount of options that the Knicks will have. My money would be on him not being traded. Is there a team that he fits into? Like I can't think of a Cleveland like continues the, to be thrown like around and I don't agree with maybe? it. No, Cleveland will. Yeah. No. The Clippers are, are the Clippers were the most common one that I saw that would actually want Carmelo. Yeah. Cause they, um, they need like a shooting score. Yeah. They don't need a Blake Griffin or a yeah. DeAndre Jordan or a Chris Paul. Yeah. They need like someone who's going to create points. Off you know, the dribble. Yeah, purely from purely from a does Carmelo fit on the team? I don't think the Celtics are the worst fit, but the Celtics are in no way willing to give up anything for it. Yeah, because they're not looking to add a thirty-two year old. You know, you can the Celtics have much more to bargain with, so you yeah. can go after Jimmy Butler over Carmelo Anthony. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Other teams can't. Right. Yeah, I mean Carmelo's getting up there in age, and he's an expensive player. Right. And he's somewhat of a drama queen, or he brings a lot of attention to the team. So it's going to be. A very special place that wants to trade and yeah. for Carmelo. So I I do agree with you, Derek, and think he's probably going to stay put in New York, yeah. despite yeah. our our best interest or our fans' kind of yeah. approval. Mm-hmm. But great father-in-law, great Sam, father-in-law. Sam Vasquez, We've confirmed it. We've interviewed him. He's great father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so yes. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. There's that. There's a lot of different um, avenues there. You mentioned Jimmy Butler. Uh, the Sixers are active. So there's a bunch of teams that uh, could be. Uh, making plays here in the next few days leading up to Thursday. So uh, keep an eye on that. Um, we have a couple other topics. You want to hit them or no? You want to? Uh, how are we doing on time? We're at we're at one hour. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, um, probably... Let's skip them. They're, right, they're done. We'll, we'll... They, they were baseball season they, is coming up. Yep, there you go. Which it's still going to be coming up next week. Cool. And then, uh, Dustin Johnson is the new number one golfer. Which he probably still be next week. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, final drive. And he knocked up Paulina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that true? Is that... Yeah, yeah nice. Paulina's on baby numero dos. Oh, wow, Cooking nice. in the oven. <laughs> All right, so we've got final drives. Murph, do you have a final drive? you want to think of one while we do ours? and then My okay. final drive is that I am going to try and become a better candle pin bowler. <laughs> I did it for the second time this weekend with uh, Derek and Steve, and it's an awesome time. It's a little bit different than bowling. If yeah. you're not aware, the, the pins are skinnier and narrower. The ball is kind of like a softball size, and you get three rolls to try to knock down 10 pins it's a little bit more difficult than the regular bowling but a lot more fun and uh i think kind of i would love to get out there again with you yeah, guys we got it. I, I had a great time it's it, it's harder but you can tell you can get good at it very fast yeah like if you get yeah. three rolls you should be able to knock down 10 pins yeah by the end of the by the end of the night it's like you feel like you're getting hang yeah. of it no. And then they, sh- they turn the lights on, and, and you gotta go home. They don't, they don't give you a ten. They don't give you any. <laughs> There's no time time countdown to tell you when the the, the frames should end. <laughs> so yeah, unfortunately we couldn't finish our second frame, but we'll get them next time. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, I'm gonna go first. All right, right do it. Yeah. Um, I've got a cozy book corner this week. I finished uh, our book club book this week, The Handmaid's Tale. It's a hot read right now because there's a Hulu series coming out about The Handmaid's Tale and it's like dystopian future and like our country's turning to shit and everyone's like really upset and so that's a hot read right now. Um, the Handmaid's Tale it's really good. It's about uh, like, a, like I said a dystopian future where um, men kind of rule in in a way that's like not like detached from society and women are like tools for breeding. It's really really interesting. Uh, very well written. Uh, I'm going to give it 82 Steve Nicholas avocados. Uh, if you like Hulu series, if you like to read stuff before series come out, kind of like Big Little Lies uh, that came out Sunday, which I didn't watch yet. But um, 82% Steve Nicholas avocados, The Handmaid's Tale by uh, Margaret Atwood. Uh, very good read. Can I just chime in real quick? Because yeah. I read a recommendation based off one of your last cozy corner or whatever that, that's called. Yeah. Uh, the Girl with All the Gifts. Uh, and I thought it was a good book. You know, it wasn't stellar, but I thought it was entertaining. And I think the movie's coming out or, or yeah. has come out, so we should watch it together and then uh, give it a Murphy's Mash grade. I love it. Yeah, no, right. but, um, I won't say where we get our movies, but it's been on the list. Whenever we whenever we do our movie ratings, that movie's been there. So I know some of the movies we watch are out of theaters, but not yet on uh, <laughs> DVD. And it's a secret how we do it, but uh, we can certainly watch that movie. Cool. Uh, is 82 certified? It is not certified quack. Okay, okay, not just making sure. Um, all right, my final drive, quick. Uh, very, It's a follow-up to last week's final drive because the Bruins are still undefeated since they changed their coach. So I have to wonder if they're ever going to lose again. Um, they might just they might just go on and win the Stanley Cup and all the rest of them that, that ever happened. 
um, because the coach was apparently the problem the whole time. Um, Claude Julien is actually this did happen since the last one. Claude Julien got a job within like three days as the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, Bruins' biggest rival. So very interesting development there. Canadians in first place fired their head coach and hired the Bruins' Claude Julien, who was fired. Do you think it's a troll move? They're it, just trolling him? No, I, I don't think it is because Claude Julien is a very good coach. Um, so it's I think it, it it could factor in. It's partially maybe, but I think it's in their best interest. I read that the Canadians only hires guys that speak French. So that is also fit, true. He fits that is the actually, bill. That is actually a fact. The Canadians really? only hire coach, head coaches that speak French huh. um, and, and, and English, I presume. Um, they probably need both. But, yeah, so that's it. Bruins are 4-0 since the coaching change, and they – suddenly are maybe going to be back in the playoff hunt again as they currently are they've missed the playoff two years in a row so we'll see but coaching change seems to have lit a spark uh, on the team so cool well that's episode 54 in the books it is uh james murphy murphy's law thanks for coming on and being our uh, oscar guest um i just want to remind you guys that anything that can be watched will be watched love it Um, all right right, we'll catch you guys next week later days later days hey that's my thing (laughs)